morning on the book of Philippians. And uh, the text before us this morning has got some of the most famous passages of scripture, several of them. So it's going to be, I think, fun. Now, let me show of hands, how many of y'all grew up in an evangelical church Sunday school? Any of you guys went to Sunday school? Then you, maybe you remember the most famous song, I, I so be careful, little eyes, what you see. Remember this? So be careful, little eyes, what you see. We get the hand motions. Because the Father up above is looking down in love, I guess. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. And be careful, little ears, what you hear. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Because the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Now, some of y'all are taking notes. It's good. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah, that's a good one. All right. And I had, so be careful, little hands, what you do, and be careful, little feet, where you go. And my favorite, of course, we love this as kids, so be careful, little tongue, what you say. So it was fun. That's a good song. You know, actually, that's got great theology in that song. It uh, reminds us of the presence of, of God. It's got like a subtle fear of judgment thing in there, but Jesus was into that, so that's not a bad deal. It's got good theology, but... I think the author missed the most important verse. The most, the first verse, most significant verse was never written. And it's a verse that unless this verse is part of that song, that song becomes nothing but moralism. Here's, here's the verse. I'm, I'm trying my hand at composing these days. So be careful, little mind, what you think. Be careful, little mind, what you think. Now, my ending can go one of three ways, okay? So work with me. I'm trying to figure this one out. Because the thoughts that you know will determine where you go. Yeah, and won't they? What you, or because the thoughts that you know will surely, surely show Yeah, what you're thinking is going to be lived out. Or because if the thoughts that you think just really, really stink, you will end up in the gutter or the brink. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I should be in Nashville, right? Taylor Swift and I, we're going to go on tour together. I love this. Um, but that is, your, your mind is, is so incredibly important. Uh, it, very, very, very important. Do a, 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 humor me for a minute. Everyone cl- close your eyes. Okay, we'll open them in a minute. We're not trying to new age stuff here, but just close your eyes for a second. If you could choose a vacation spot right now, want to get away right now, where would you go? Picture this. You're a beach person. You've got a beautiful beach. You could feel the breeze. Not too hot, but it's nice. And the waves and the sun. And Maybe you're a cabin person up in the mountains somewhere. You're in a nice cabin. Maybe you're on a lake with a fishing pole. And doesn't matter if they're biting or not. You're in a comfy chair reading a book with a cup of coffee away from the hustle bustle. Maybe you're in Disney World, right? If you could go on vacation anywhere, what would be going? Where would it be? Okay, open your eyes for a second. Come on, come on back, come on back. The amazing thing with that, we are in northwest Pennsylvania right now. But just a moment ago, we were in so many places in our minds. And we were smelling the smells and hearing the sounds and with different people. It was, we just, it was a glorious thing. Your mind is incredible, isn't it? You can go all kinds of places. Your mind is incredible power for good. And for evil. It's fascinating about your mind. Because you will never know what's going on up here. Ever. 
unless I tell you, and then you don't know if I'm being honest, not really. Now, there are programs for your computer where you, I'm told you can find out wherever a computer goes, you can find out where it's been. But you'll never know. It's kind of like almost no accountability. If y'all are ever ornery, I'm having a bad day, I can just zone, I can go into my own fantasy world someplace doing who knows what. And it's open. You'll never know. Mind is a power. Maybe this is why King James, Proverbs 23, I think, says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's, 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 it's who he is. It's what he becomes. It's what he's about. This is, this is why Paul, 2 Corinthians 10.5, excellent, excellent verse. What Paul says, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension. These are philosophies. These are worldviews. These are things that are stuck in your head and mind that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Because Paul knows the thoughts that you know will determine where you go. And the stuff playing through the theater of our mind determines who we are. You know, the most important thing about you is not who you know or how much you have or how far you've achieved and what you've achieved in life or what you own. The most important thing about you from God's perspective is what you think. Be careful, little mind, what you think. Give care to what you think. I, maybe this is why we got Proverbs 4. I don't think I have this one on, on the screen. But he says, above all else, the wisest man in the world, above all else, guard your heart. Now, this does not just mean don't get into romantic situations with loser people. It probably includes that, but that's not. Guard your heart, Hebrew heart, mind. There, guard what you're thinking, what's going on upstairs. Why? Why? Because from it. Flow the wellsprings of life. Because what you think, what's going on upstairs, what you know, will determine where you go. It's going to determine where you go, what happens in life. It just will. I read an interesting article. Leadership journalist past week, John Ortberg, was, was, uh, wrote an article on neuroscience and discipleship. Fascinating article. He says this, that there was, there's a group that was done, three groups of people. First group of people could do whatever they wanted. They were just part of the deal. Second group had to exercise their peaky finger every single day. Third group of people had to, they didn't exercise their pinky, but they had to think about exercising their pinky for 15 minutes a day. And, uh, Ortberg says this. This is, this is interesting. He says, as expected, the exercisers got stronger pinkies. But amazingly, so did the people who merely thought about exercising. Our minds are powerful, powerful, powerful things. They control our lives, what we do. And yet we have very, we have no accountability. So this is all on our own. And we have very little discipline. We'll do all the outward things. But we forget our mind. You know, it's, uh, I saw an article this past week. And, and please hear me right. Don't get me wrong. But it's, the, the question on the magazine was, are we serious about prayer? Good, good, good question. But we could also ask the question, are you serious about Bible study? Are we serious about witnessing? Are we serious about fasting? Those things, someone could answer yes, like many world religions, and have nothing to do with Jesus, be very far from him. 
maybe the first question we should be asking is, are you serious about God? Because if you're serious about God, you know what? You're going to want to know what he says. You're not going to go this because of some discipline thing. We want to to know who he is. And you're going to want to be with him praying, not because you got to pray. And you're going to want to tell people about him because he's true. Are you serious about him? Well, Paul says, Philippians 4, 7, 8, 9, excuse me. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And when he says finally, really, I know if you're looking at Philippians 4 in your Bibles, you can turn your Bibles and look there. If you're looking through it, you'll see he'll have this little section 8 and 9, but then he's going to have a handful more verses all the way to 23. Is this whole thing finally? Not really. This really is the close of the letter. And then he's going to have to say some more personal stuff, and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit and good for us, but this is kind of the deal. That's what he's saying. To understand this, we want to, because we've got this one memorized. This is kind of a famous verse. We've got to understand the context. If you go back, I think it's verse 6 or 7. Here's the context, what Paul's talking about. Do not be anxious about anything. He's talking about anxiety. Now, anxiousness is not uh, a lack of care or concern. We should care and be concerned for those we love. Anxiousness is not even a total absence of fear. It's normal for vulnerable people to have a healthy fear. It's what keeps them safe. Problem with English, uh, Greek, for example, has got four words for love. And the Greeks, when they're trying to figure out what nuance of love they're picking their words, we just have one. I'm told that Eskimos have 11 words for snow. We've got one word for snow. It's all the same stuff for us, right? Let's just hurry up and get it over with. Uh, Eskimos see snow a little bit different. We know that there is healthy, there's a healthy concern. All concern is, is not wrong. But there's an over-the-top concern, too. It's, it's concern, if you are the dog and the concern is the tail wagging, that's probably healthy. If the concern is the dog and you are the tail and the concern controls you, that's the anxiety part. That's, that's not a good thing. So this is the context. And Paul's trying to tell us how we can overcome this anxiety thing. How we can uh, rest in him. How we can know the peace of God. And so he brings us back to verses 8 and 9. We Notice the last sentence there. It says, if you, if you think correctly, you practice it out. The God of peace will be with you. Now, this is real important. Because if you know Christ, then you uh, have peace with God. That's real important. But you may not know the peace of God. It's real important. You, you Spiritually, you may have the peace of God. You and God maybe, But you may not experience in this life the peace of God. And Paul's letting us know that we can. And so he says, this is how you do it. Whatever is, is noble, whatever is, whatever is true and noble and right. Now, according to Tim Keller, these words, when Paul uses these, these terms, these words, in, most of his, in his writing, most often he's referring to doctrine, the word of God. And, and what you hear what he's saying? He, he, he's saying it's important 
what you think. It's not just important what you feel. It's not just important that you, that you go to church and do good things and don't do bad things and are sincere. I mean, again, that's the definition of every, every world religion. It's important that you think aright, that in your mind, what's playing on the, on the theater of your mind is correct doctrine. I go home one day and I see my, my bride and I say, oh, Teresa, oh, sweetie, I miss you so much. I love you so much. Just the thought of you've been in my mind all day. And I'm just so enthralled with you. And when I think of you and, and you know, your, your blonde hair and your green eyes, I just, I'm just overwhelmed. Well, you know, we got a problem because my, my wife's a brunette with brown eyes. She would not be happy if I told her that. Now, it doesn't matter if I'm sincere, right? I'm just really sincere. It doesn't matter if I'm feeling mushy feelings. At that point, it's real important that I get the facts right. In our relationship with God, it's more than us just being sincere or going to church. We've got to have the right doctrine. We've got to have the right things, what God has spelled out for us going through our mind. And so Paul says, you want to experience the peace of God? You want to be spiritually mature. You want to be someone who, whatever it happens, living your life uh, worthy of the gospel of Christ, you have to discipline your thinking. Be careful, little mind, what you think. You have to give care to what you think. Because that's going to determine the decisions you make, where you go, how you view life. Because you and I are being discipled, whether we know it or not, by this culture, by society, by our own wicked, depraved heart. And here, here's, here's why this is, so, this is so important. Because there's a battle going on in my heart, my mind. It's a battle between my old nature, which is, uh, I'm free from it, but it's not dead yet. So it's speaking into to how I live life and, and the Holy Spirit. And if I am not intentional about discipling, disciplining, controlling, getting my mind, taking every thought captive, if I'm not conscious about that, you know where my heart's going to go, don't you? Same as yours is going to go. I'm going to go. It's going to take me on a vacation. Not to the beach. Not to a cabin someplace. It's going to take me on a pride vacation. It's going to take me on a, on a vengeance vacation. It's going to take me on a victim vacation or a self-promotion vacation or a lustful vacation or a covetous vacation. It's going to take me places that I don't want to go just naturally. I mean, I'm not going to ask for shows of hands. But it's amazing how many replaying of tapes we have from things that happened years and years ago. High school years and years ago. But there was this one bully and you play this thing over in your head again. And I would just wish, and I was there and if I'd do this again, I would, I would show him. And you're playing this thing out. And meanwhile, it's been 20 years since that happened. Or maybe your mind goes to past dates. Or maybe your mind is constantly replaying something that happened a long time ago. Or maybe, again, your mind has just been impacted with the Madison Avenue thing. Just the want, 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 the covetous thing. What's going on? If we are not intentional about it, will take us the wrong way. Because the thoughts that you know will determine where you go. They just will. And so the reason we've got the word of God is not because God just says, well, these guys, I just need them to know a bunch of dry stuff. And we think some of them, oh, the Bible, yeah, I'll read it all this. I don't, I don't, maybe I don't get into it. I don't get anything out of it. All those kind of things. The reason why we've got this is right here. 
so we can have our mind in the right place. So we can do our life the way we're supposed to because we're thinking correctly. Sometimes we think, oh, God, just give me peace. Like we think it's just going to be a zap. Okay, I gave you peace. God says, all of us can have it. You can have the peace of God. But the way you get it is discipline your thoughts about what is true, what is honest, what is right, the word of God. Let me just commercial for just a second. You know, in just a couple weeks, everything's going to start back up as far as studies and all these things. Classes are going on. Some of them are going on even right now. Are you in one? What's your, let me just ask you a different question. What's your plan for thinking on? By the way, the word think is not just uh, a passing thought. The word think is to dwell down, it's to drill down, it's to dwell on, it's to soak in, it's to understand, it's to meditate on, it's to make sure that the number one thing playing on the theater of my mind all the time is what God's word says. That's through meditation. What's your plan to be there? You got to have a plan. What's your plan to be there? I'm recommending, so class is going to be starting up. We're going to do everything we can in the next couple of weeks to get something in the bulletin as far as what, what is, is happening where you can make a plan. To say, I'm going to be a part of this one, or I'm going to be a part of that. Whatever your plan is, you got to have something with that. Now, the other words, we're not going to go through them all, but they're not synonyms for the word of God. But they are things that God would smile on. They are things that are reflective of principles in the word of God. Now, how do you know if you've got the peace of God? You're at peace with God. You've been, you've been saved. You're there. You got that. How do you know if you're, because if you're, most people, they've got the peace of God when life is sunny. But then when the wheels fall off, whoa, baby gigs, it's just a mess and anxiety and there's meltdowns. But then when things get better, you're okay again. And there's peace of God. And then it's, oh no, everything goes wrong again. And it's, oh, and, but then there's peace again when things get better. That is not the peace of God. Pagans have that. That's just normal grace stuff. That, that, that's just, how do you know if you have the peace of God? Well, Paul goes on and shows us how this looks in uh, 10, next text. Sorry, can we go one more? There we go. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me as they gave him a, a gift. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Keep in mind, Paul is in prison. He's been beaten, flogged, and whipped, and framed. And he's in a jail that he's basically paying for, renting himself, chained up to a Roman guard 24-7. And he's got a date any day now with the emperor Nero, who is the ultimate Christian hater. And Paul just happened to be the ultimate Christian. It's not looking good for Paul. You think this guy's got no needs? I think he's got some needs. He's saying, I don't have any needs. Because I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Contentment is the sign that you experience the peace of God. Because what's a synonym for contentment? Being content. It's peace, Right? Got a different twist, different nuance, but it's, but it's peace as we go through this world. It says, I know what it is to have plenty. I've, I've partied at Lydia's house and I had steak and chefs putting everything together and serving the same big feather pillow thing. I, I, I know what it is to be, have plenty. And I learned, I, I know what it is to have want, to be in want. I've learned the secret, which just means that it's not common 
knowledge. Let me just sit down and think it through and get there with my own rationality. No, you're not going to get there that way. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. By the way, that last verse, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Most misunderstood verse, I think, in Scripture. I remember getting a little plaque one time, and there's this little baseball, kid probably ate baseball, and uh, it had this verse underneath it. And the inference was, you can hit that curve. You can hit that fastball, kid. Come on, I can do all things. Well, it didn't work for me, man. I still struck out. This doesn't mean you can win the Boston Marathon. This is not God's promise for you that you're going to be wealthy one day. This is not God's promise that you're going to be able to be the president of the United States or you're going to chair the Department of Physics at Stanford. This is, you, you may not be wired to do that. That may not be God's will for you. This is not the promise that you can do that. I can do all things through him. Can you fly? No, you can't. But look at the context. Every, every verse has a context. And so understanding the verse, you understand the context. What's the context? It's being content. It's experiencing the peace of God. He's saying, you can experience the peace of God. You can't, I can't, you can't experience, be content in every situation. And God's going to give you the strength to do that. But it's not a zap. It's an issue of, uh, disciplining your thoughts. Finally, whatever's true, honest, right. Be careful what you think. Be careful what you think. If you let stuff play on the theater of your mind that's not God honoring, you let that just happen. You're not committed to bringing every, every thought into obedience to Christ. You're going to get. You're going to reap, you're going to reap what, you, what you sow. Now, sometimes we... Uh, sometimes we long to be content. We would like to be, but we're not. We know what will make us content. I need that guy or that girl... I mean, any guy or girl, I don't really care. I just need to be in a relationship somewhere. Or I got the wrong one. I need out. That's what I need to be content. Or, you know, whatever. I need that new couch. Or I need that new job. Or I need those new friends. Or I need those new kids. Or, you know, I need, we know what we need to be content. And so we, as long as that carrot is still out there, we're okay. That kind of motivates us for life. We're able to keep moving on because we got to get it. Because we can just get it. We can get that. We can be happy. That's what we know what we need to be content. Uh, George Bernard Shaw, I think that's his name, said two great tragedies in human life. One is to not get what you want. The second one is, guess, to get what you want. (laughs) Right, right. Because there'll be times, of course, you'll get what you want. And then you'll realize, it wasn't wasn't the deal. Uh, 2005, 60 Minutes did an interview a guy by the name of Steve Croft did an interview with Tom Brady. You know Tom Brady, three-time uh, Super Bowl-winning quarterback of the, of the New England Patriots. He's got three rings. He is, he's a sharp guy. Well, some would argue, and we don't get in those arguments, who's the best quarterback of all times, of course, is Aaron Rodgers. But it doesn't matter for right now. So he's got this, this interview going on, and Croft uh, says... Um, this whole experience, this whole upward trajectory, they're talking about all of his success. What have you learned about yourself? What kind of effect does it have on you? And Brady says, well, I put incredible amounts of pressure on me. When you feel like you're ultimately responsible for everyone and everything, even though you have no control over it, you still blame yourself if things don't go right. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. A lot of times I think I get very frustrated and introverted, and there are times when I'm not the person that I want to be. 
I think it's a little philosophical here. He says, he says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is it. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. I think it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? And so Croft asks, well, what's the answer? Tom Brady answers, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. You would think, I mean, how many quarterbacks actually can be starting quarterbacks in the NFL? It's like every boy's dream. Well, he's got 32, whatever it is. And how many of those guys actually get to a Super Bowl? And then how many of those guys win one? Brady's won three. His wife's a supermodel. He's got more money. He's got it, humanly speaking, our world, our culture, everything. And he's saying, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. When we get what we think is going to bring us happiness and peace, and, and it just doesn't, we go one of two ways with it. Either we blame the thing. Of course, we chase the wrong thing. Doggone it. I thought this was the thing, and it's just not the thing. I thought this was the person, and they're certainly not the person. I thought this was, and it's just not working out for me. I, I, there must be a different carrot out there. We blame the thing. Or we blame ourselves. And you just um, hear me well with this. Because sometimes we think, if I'm not happy, it's because I'm broken. There's just something inside me that's not, I've got issues. You know, like, we're Bob, and what about Bob? I've got problems. You know, I'm going to run to Leo Marvin. We've got, we've got issues. And we think, if my issues were fixed, then I'd be happy. And so we may run to counselors, to psychologists, to psychiatrists, to therapists, and on and on and on, because we think we want them to figure out what the issue is and then show me how I can fix this, because when I can get it fixed, I can be ready. Now, if you do that, you've got to know they will find something. And it won't be because they're lying to you. You've got issues. <laughs> I know you. You've got problems. We, we all do. And we're all victims on one level. And parents and families and things that happen to us. and issue. We, We've got stuff. And, and I'm not dissing the counseling field. I've gone. I will go again. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I think everybody would benefit by a godly intelligent session or two with a, with a godly intelligent counselor. However... If we think the solution to my lack of happiness is psychology, we're going to be running from counselor to counselor to counselor to counselor. It's just the next one because the last one just wasn't able to figure it out. The last one's solutions didn't do it for me. Maybe, in some instances, maybe the issue's spiritual. Maybe it's obedience. Maybe it's faith. Maybe it's I've got the wrong things playing on my mind. I need to have God's ways and God's views and God's understanding playing through my mind. Maybe that, that, could, that could be it. So, here's a quote. Ernest Becker it says, all the psychoanalysis in the world does not allow a person to find out who he is, why he's on earth, why he has to die, and how he can make life a triumph. And it, I got this from Keller, by the way. And it is when psychology pretends to do this, when it pretends to offer a full explanation of human unhappiness, that it becomes a fraud and creates an impasse from which you cannot escape. Ernest Becker is definitely not, not a Christian. But he's saying, you have a savior, I mean, he's not saying this, but you have a savior, psychology's not it. it. Like any of the other 
disciplines, I'm sure it can help. But it's not our Savior. C.S. Lewis said this about those things that we think will make us happy. He says, you know, if it's true that creatures are born with desires, they are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hungry. There's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. There's such a thing as water. We feel sexual desire. There's such a thing as sex. And if I find in myself desires that no experience in this life can satisfy, the only probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And the earlier pleasures I see were not designed to fulfill, but to arouse my desire for that place. Contentment. It's learned. Paul learned the secret of contentment. It wasn't zapped. He had learned it. He learned it as his mind thought on the word of God, as he thought on things that were true and honest and right and pure and lovely and good report, as he took every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, as he did, he became more like Christ. He understood that, that it's my God will supply. My God will supply. So when he's ready to face Nero, he's saying, I've got no need. I've got no need. So let me ask you, what's playing in the theater of your mind? Paul would say with this whole letter, if you want spiritual maturity, if you want to live a life worthy of the gospel, whatever happens, if you want to know the peace of God, it's yours. You can have it. You need to discipline what's playing in your mind, your thoughts. Will you take a second and, and pray with me? And as you bow your heads, listen, I, there's, I know that some folk here may desire the peace of God, but reality is you don't have peace with God. You just need to know starting place here is the fact that Christ, the Prince of Peace, came to this earth to die for that which separates you from God. You have no peace with God. And as you understand that, and in belief and in full surrender, you come before him in repentance saying, Oh, Lord, thank you for dying for me. Forgive me of my sin. Scripture says that he raises all of your sin, that you and God now are at peace. And perhaps you have done that. And you're at peace with God, but you have not disciplined your mind. So you are not experiencing the peace of God. You can start down that journey, that road right now. It's a gift that he's offering to all of us. By taking every thought captive, by seeking to understand God's word, what he says, so that you're able to discern the worldview of music and of movies and of, of philosophies being taught. And understand if that's something you should allow to soak in your mind or something you should reject. 